I have returned. Well, I guess technically, technically this isn't a return since this is the first episode, but you know, that's how I wanted to intro it. I thought it sounded cool, but you know, in this context specifically, it doesn't exactly, I don't care, whatever. I have returned this first episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. show. I'm so thankful for you guys for tuning in. Much appreciated. There is a lot to talk about today. Got Jalen Green making the leap to the NBA G League through their program. What does this mean for the NCAA? What does this mean for the future of high school basketball? What does this mean for the future of college basketball? What does this mean for the future of recruiting? We're getting into that. Got the all in challenge. If y'all heard if y'all haven't heard of this, man, y'all in for a treat with that one. Got Ethan Strauss came out with a book. Katie ain't too happy about it, man. Bashed him a little bit. Was it deserved? Let's talk about it. Got the DaBaby album. Excuse me. <laughs> Trash. Oh, my bad. You know, it's, it's, I'm a little sick, but uh, got the Q&A as always. Y'all ready? Let's begin. Y'all heard of this All In Challenge? The hashtag All In Challenge? It's crazy, man. It's absolutely absurd. If you haven't heard of it, basically what you have are these athletes, celebrities, actors, what have you. They're offering these really absurdly extravagant things. Right. And you can auction on it. You can bid on it or it's a raffle. Right. You can you can put in money for a raffle. But essentially what you win. Right. It's really the things they're offering are just out of this world. Take take uh take Magic Johnson for instance. For those of you who don't know, Magic Johnson's one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. Um, if you're a basketball fan, you know who Magic Johnson is, right? Magic Johnson's offering, right? If you win his auction, then he'll come to your place of work, hang out with you and your coworkers for an hour. An hour, right? It doesn't feel like a long time, but it's Magic Johnson. He's flying from Los Angeles to wherever you live, hanging out with you and your coworkers for an hour. Then he's gonna fly you back to Los Angeles, right? You're going to get to go to the Staples Center. You're going to get to play horse with Magic Johnson at the Staples Center, right? Then, right, this isn't over. Then you go back to Magic Johnson's house. You get to chill out at his house. You get to go into his trophy room. You get to see the rings that he won. You get to see the championships. You get to see the MVPs. All of that, that that really obscenely absurd stuff that no one has ever seen, right? Or no, no one has, you know, access to because it's Magic Johnson stuff. You get to go see that. Then we're still not done. You get to go back to the Staples Center for a Lakers home game. Mind you, this is LeBron James Lakers. This isn't the the Robert Saker, Jordan Hill, Ramon Session Lakers we're talking about. This is LeBron James, Anthony Davis championship contender Lakers. You get to go watch a home game, right? And you get to bring 10 friends with you. Your friends, they sit up in the extravagant box seats, right? They get all the works. You get all the food you want, all that good stuff. But that's not where you're sitting. You're sitting on the floor with Magic Johnson watching LeBron James play basketball. That's just one thing that's being offered up. You also got Kevin Hart. He's accepted the challenge and he's saying, I'll offer you a speaking role in my next movie. You get to come on the set. You get to have your own trailer. You get to have your own assistant. You get all of that good stuff. You get to have the speaking role. You get the movie star works, right? He's putting y'all on. You got... Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous some of the things that they're offering, man. Roger Goodell's offering 50-yard line seats at the Super Bowl ultimate fan experience. You can co-host Ellen's next show on the Ellen DeGeneres show. You get to when she actually gets to start doing it in her actual studio again, you get to co-host that. You get Drake's offering an OVO experience. Fly on an airplane with Drake, you get to party in LA, score tickets to a show. It's ridiculous. Mark Cuban offering a one-day contract to play with the Mavericks. A one-day contract to play. I'm sure it's like a you're not actually going to suit up and go on the floor unless you're me, in which case, I promise you, Mark Cuban, it's not going to be one day. You, you're going you're gonna to see me hoop one time. You're going to be like, okay, we need to sign this kid for real. Boy, if you don't get it's 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 wild. Wow, Justin Bieber will come sing at your house. Um, throw out the first pitch at the next World Series. Batting practice with Aaron Judge. Play in the 2021 Celebrity NBA All-Star Game. Design and call a play at a Philadelphia Eagles preseason game. Give me that. Give me that one, man. That's my dream. We running back the Philly special, but I'm putting the, own, the, the little Reagan sizzle into it. I'm putting my little own, you know, let it be the Philly special, but Carson Wentz catches it now. Mm-hmm. Y'all ain't ready for that one. But the, you, y'all see my point appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Direct a movie with Jonah Hill. 
Huncho Day experience with Quavo. I don't even know what that is. What's a Huncho Day experience with Quavo? I don't know, but I want to know. $10, that's all it takes to sign up for it. $10. And all the proceeds are going to people affected by COVID-19. So on top of having an opportunity at all these extravagant things, you know, you're doing a good thing. It goes to people who very, very much need it. Being Megan Thee Stallion music video. I don't know if they'd want me in a music video with Megan Thee Stallion, but I'm not opposed to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so, so, so many things that they're offering. It's all for a good cause. Get drafted by NBA commissioner <laughs> Adam Silver for you don't you don't want to draft me. I want to take the uh the 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 route that the dude in two K had to take where he had to go to overseas, right? Then he had to go and play in the G League. Then he got traded a bunch of times. I want to take that route. I don't want to be drafted. I get the edge, right? But it's so so wild some of the things that they're offering, and it keeps on coming back and coming back and coming back. Right. There's more and more because the thing with the challenge, it's like the ALS ice bucket challenge where you accept the challenge and then you invite other people to accept the challenge. And people are accepting it left and right, because honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot from these celebrities. At most, it's a day. Right. Magic Johnson, he's taking a day out of his time. He has to do a lot. But, you know, at most, that's just a day out of their life. And they get to raise so, so much money for people who truly, truly need it. It's a very good thing that they're doing. Um I, I love this, man. I, I very much love it. Uh, <laughs> if I had money to give, I would I would definitely sign up for a lot of those things. Um, you know, that's going to me to gonna try to convince my parents to. But definitely, I encourage you guys to look into it. it it's such a great thing that they're doing. It's such a, a fun thing that they're doing. And it shows that the power that uh, celebrities and athletes have in our society and that people can use that power for, for the benefit of others. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see where this goes. I'm surprised more people haven't heard about it or are talking about it. Um, but it's only so long until this thing really, really blows up, right? We're about uh Obama saying, Yeah, you can come, you can come to the White House with me or so I don't know if Obama wants to go to the White House right now. But you know what I'm saying? We're about one of those things away from this really, really blowing up, right? Like David Beckham, yeah, you can come, you can come hang out with me. So something like that. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James, come shoot hoops with me in, in the banana boat squad or something like that. It's a bit it's it's on the cusp of completely blowing up. And when it does, it's it's gonna be great, man. I'm all in on this challenge. In fact, I'm I'm so all in, right? I wanna offer y'all one from yours truly, Reagan Griffin Jr. I'm offering y'all an all-in challenge, right? Opening bid, five hundred dollars. And what you win, if you win the auction, you get to spend a day with me. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What, what, what more could you want? What more could you possibly want than to spend a day with Reagan Griffin? Who am I kidding, man? Y'all get tired of me in 15 minutes the way I talk. Speaking of being tired. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, is Kevin Durant tired of Ethan Strauss. I know y'all know who Kevin Durant is. Some of y'all might not know who Ethan Strauss is. Ethan Strauss is a writer for The Athletic, one of the bigger um, uh, uh, publications in the sports world right now. Um, and he specializes in Golden State Warriors coverage. He's uh, from the, that area, the Northern California area. And he was part of why Kevin Durant was so angry and became so angry with the media, right? Kevin Durant, when his free agency was impending in his last year with Golden State, you had all these rumors floating around about him looking at the Knicks, him looking at Brooklyn, this, that, and the other, right? And Kevin Durant, he's sitting there. He says, man, I, I just want to play basketball, man. Why can't y'all leave me alone? I feel like I can't do anything right or wrong. Um, I just want to play basketball and go home. Why can't I do that? Now, off bat, I, I, I take issue with what Kevin Durant said there because as much as ideally – of course, we'd love to, you know, do that, especially if you're a guy like Kevin Durant. But when you put yourself in the national spotlight, right, when, when you sign up and say, OK, I am one of the best basketball players on the face of this earth. I'm going to go into the, the, the greatest basketball league on the planet. I'm going to be a star. And that's great. But when you sign up for that. You can't not take all the baggage that comes along with it. And granted, that baggage has to be annoying as hell sometimes. I understand that. Like, I, I, I can't imagine what that dude has to go through on a daily basis in terms of not feeling like he has any semblance of privacy. Right. All of his stuff gets, you know, it feels like you have to look at, over your back every so often because everyone wants something from you. All of that's just got to be incredibly, incredibly frustrating, infuriating to live with on a daily basis. But. It's what you signed up for, man. 
It's what you signed up for. You're one of the arguably the best basketball player in the world. People are going to pay attention to you. People want to know things about you. And that 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 comes with the territory. I can't, you know, be elected president of the United States and say, well, I I don't want to do press conferences. That's what that that comes with what that that comes with the territory of being an all star superstar level of athlete. And it sucks, but that's the reality of it. You can't take one without the other. You can't just pick up a basketball play and then go home. But the, the ultimate beef that Kevin Durant had with Ethan Strauss is because Ethan Strauss is leaking all these things from Kevin Durant's camp, right? And Kevin Durant ultimately bounces. We all know he goes to Brooklyn. He's over there healing up. He's coming back next season with Kyrie, right? We're going to see how that goes. I think that Brooklyn next team is immensely talented, right? You got Dinwiddie. You got Kevin Durant and Kyrie, obviously. You got, you know, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. That team has so much talent. It's going to be definitely a title contender next year. I digress. That's besides the point, right? So Kevin Durant bounces. And Ethan Strauss, he spends, I guess, the last year. I don't know how long he's been working on this thing, but he comes out with a book. And a book is basically a tell-all of why uh, Kevin Durant left. It's the construction and deconstruction of the Warriors dynasty. Um, and, and he's basically leaking all of these things that led to Kevin Durant ultimately wanting to leave, um, whether it's the beef with Draymond Green or all, all these other things that factored around it, right? And I don't want to really talk about the book itself. Uh, it's definitely a good read. You guys, uh, I'm assuming it's a good read because so many people have read it. Um, you should definitely go check it out. But what I really want to talk to is this this debate that's been sparked as a result of the, the book, right? Because you have one faction that's saying Ethan Strauss just did his job, right? He's a reporter. His job is to collect information and release that information to the public. He's not obligated to take into account what Kevin Durant feels about this information being reported, That's not his job. His job is to get information and put it out. On the other side, you have this faction that's saying, well, man, you can't just, you know, uh, take all of this stuff from Kevin Durant and spin it in whatever way you want. All you are is trying to ride his coattails and, you know, make a name for yourself based on the things that he's already done. Right. And this other faction, you know, at times they, they, they play the race card and they say, you know, it's it's frustrating that a black person coming from Kevin Durant's situation has to do so, so, so much. To, to build the platform that he has for himself. And a guy can come along like Ethan Strauss and, and say, well, I'm just going to put out something negative about this guy. And immediately he has a platform for himself just because he's on Kevin Durant's coattails. And I honestly understand that. I understand why that's frustrating, right? A lot of these black kids, they have to go through so, so much adversity. And to see, I can't imagine what it's like to be in an NBA that's predominantly, predominantly black and 70, probably somewhere in between 70 and 80 percent African-American. Right. Majority of your stars are African-American and you have to go and sit at a press conference and stare out into a sea of white reporters. That's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world, right? Why are the people reporting on me? Nothing. Why, why are the people reporting on this? Nothing representative of the people actually doing it that's got that that's immensely frustrating for me as somebody who wants to get into this industry right there's not i've been in these some of these reporting rooms there's not a whole lot of black sports journalists out there which is crazy to me considering the amount of black athletes there are there's no reason why there should be majority black athletes yet you know it's like looking at a bowl of kicks with a sprinkle of cocoa puffs right and when you're looking at when you're looking at a, a reporter room, right? So that's an issue that definitely, most definitely, definitely has to be addressed. And it's it's a, a that's playing into this a huge a, a lot, right? Because Kevin Durant, you know, a, a lot of people in that camp or in that faction of that argument feel like there's a there's a lot of racial tension here at play, and that that's that's part of what boils down to it. But I also empathize with the other faction, and it's because that's Ethan Strauss's job. Right. Ethan Strauss is supposed to release information that he deems to be relevant to uh, to, to the what he's reporting on, which is basketball and Golden State Warriors basketball. And if Golden State Warriors, if their best player is going to hit the hay next season, he's going to be out. That is relevant information that you as a, a Golden State Warriors reporter should probably report. That's your job. That's what you do. 
And it's a very fine line because there are a lot of reporters, and we see this all the time, who put out this clickbaity, you know, misconstrue these athletes' words. They just try to ride on the coattails. But I don't think that's what Ethan Strouds was doing in this particular instance. I think that Kevin Durant was incredibly frustrated because something that was not supposed to be leaked from his camp got leaked. And Ethan Strauss was the recipient of that information. He ultimately put it out. That's where KD's frustration is coming from. I think he's misguidedly directing it towards Ethan Strauss. What he should be frustrated with is who around me is giving out this information because I told people this stuff in confidence right? People aren't supposed to be telling this stuff, whether it's the Knicks telling Ethan Strauss or whether it's somebody that's close to personal, close and personal with Kevin Durant saying that stuff. That's where I'm mad, right? Like, who did I tell that would stab me in the back and release this stuff? And now he's directing that anger at, anger at Ethan Strauss. Um, but I see why he's frustrated. I just think he's, he's directing it towards the wrong individual. Um, but I'm not going to sit up here and assert that there isn't a lot of people that do what people are accusing Ethan Strauss of doing, which is riding on the coattails of some of these athletes trying to negatively report on them just so they can build a platform for their own damn self. Because that happens all the time in this industry and it needs to stop because that comes from a place of pure, pure ignorance. And that's not fair to anyone in this, right? That's not fair to the athlete. That's not fair to anyone around the athlete. That's only that's so self-serving and so ignorant and selfish that that has to that that has to be put out of this industry and it has to be put out extremely soon, especially when we're talking about black athletes and white reporters. That's so it's so grimy, man. It's grimy is what it is. Um, and that, that's extremely frustrating. And being a former athlete and being somebody that has spent a lot of time around, you know, high caliber athletes. I, I know people that, you know, play at LSU, play at Wyoming, uh, got track scholarships. I know people, you know, run at USC. I know so many athletes. I've been blessed and fortunate enough to have come across some of the best young athletes in this country throughout my, my time as an athlete and to have interacted with these people. Right. And I know. I know just putting myself in their shoes, knowing that they're flawed people, just like you and me listening to this podcast, right? You're a flawed person. I'm a flawed person. These athletes, they're not superhuman. Well, you know, physically they might be superhuman, but at the end of the day, they're human. They're flawed people. They make mistakes just like you and I. And that has to be so, so frustrating to have that lack of privacy and to feel like you're being constantly taken advantage of for people who just want stories out of you, who just want headlines, who just want quotes that they can twist into whatever narrative that they want to perpetuate. That's awful. It has to stop. Um, but when it boils down to this specific instance between Ethan Strauss and Kevin Durant, I feel like Kevin Durant's anger towards Ethan Strauss might be a little misguided. Um, but it's definitely an interesting conversation, man, because there's there's a lot of moving pieces in this. There's there's a lot of there's the racial dichotomy. There's the, you know, relationship between the, the media and the sport, the athlete himself, which I think is just a divide is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's one of my primary motivations when it comes to this industry. Right. When I leave this industry. Hopefully I have a long and successful career, but when I, when I'm entering this industry and versus when I leave this industry, one of the main things that I hope to achieve is to, you know, minimize that, that gap that exists between the athlete and the media. Cause right now it's so wide and it comes from so many uh, sources, whether it's, you know, the media not knowing enough about the sport and asking stupid questions and putting out stupid stories that athletes are just looking at like, man, how could you even report this? Whether it's people trying to spin stuff in a way that, you know, gets them clicks, but ultimately is detrimental to the athlete and it's not even true half the time. There's a lot of things that 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 contribute to this divide. And I hope to one day, you know, alleviate some of that. that that's one of my primary goals. But yeah, like I said, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, and there's a lot of moving pieces on it. A lot of moving pieces on this, uh, this G League thing, too, man. That is a long long time coming a long long time coming high schoolers can finally and not you're not going to the nba you're going to the g league but you can finally go pro in america and we knew this was inevitable we knew this was going to happen at some point or another, right? Jalen Green, he signs his G League contract. He getting five hundred thousand dollars plus one hundred twenty thousand dollar grant to go to college, where whenever he wants to, at some point, that's hard to turn down. But basically, what's happening here, right? The NBA 
has had this relationship with the NCAA for a very long time. And the NBA was okay with it. And the NCAA was damn sure okay with it because basically what the relationship was, okay, you get these athletes for a year. You get to profit off these athletes for a year. Excuse me. Then they come to us, right? But then you had these dudes coming out, rightfully so, saying, well, I want to profit off what I'm good at, right? I'm 18 years old. I'm a grown ass man. I should be able to profit off of what my abilities are. So I'm going to go overseas and do that for a year. Then I'm going to come to the NBA. And people are starting to do that more and more and more and more. And then eventually, right, LaMelo Ball buys this team. There was a report that said he didn't actually. I'm still not sure whether he did or not. But hypothetically, let's say LaMelo Ball buys this team. We know that the the amount of people that are going to start playing professionally overseas before going into the NBA is about to increase exponentially over the coming years, right? So what the NBA does is they see this trend and they say, okay, well, if the NCAA is not getting these guys, but there's money to be made off of these guys. Damn it, we're going to make that money. That That's our money because these are eventually guys that are going to be coming to us anyway. We might as well go, you know, have some sort of mutual beneficial relationship between us and them where they can come to us. So that's hence the G League solution, right? Ultimately, I do think this is going to come to a point where guys are just eventually getting drafted on NBA teams straight out of high school, right? This is, I feel like, a temporary stop in what's ultimately going to be the solution where we go back to the days of LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant where guys are getting drafted into the NBA straight out of high school because you're a grown man. You are 18 years old. As an adult American in this country, you should be able to profit off of the abilities that you bring to the table, right? If I'm a computer whiz, right? If I know how to code everything under the sun, There's no reason why I have to go to college if Facebook wants to hire me right out of high school. I don't have to go to college. There's no there's no I have to take one year to go do this. There's no other job in the nation. Right. That has this qualifier. So if you have the skill set, you should be able to go do what you're what you want to do and be able to profit off of of what your what your skill set is. So that's what's happening right now. You have Jalen Green and another dude, Isaiah Todd, decommitted from Michigan, is now going to that. I'm interested in how they're going to fill out the rest of this team. There was a report floating around that Evan Mobley, uh, the you know one of the top recruits, by some metrics they have him as the number one recruit. Some people have him like the number two or three, but one of the best recruits in the nation. He was offered something by the NBA, a pretty handsome you know, pay stipend by the NBA to go play in that G League. But he turned it down because, you know, I I imagine, and this is in no way or shape or form me speaking on behalf of Evan Mobley. I don't know what his decision-making process was, but I imagine if I'm sitting here and I don't know what this looks like yet, and this is the first year of this, I imagine I don't want to step into some unknown territory when I can just spend a year at USC and I can go to the NBA, right? If I don't need that money right now, right now, I, I, I'm i not going to go be a guinea pig, right? Let, let other people do that. Maybe it's good for the future, but it's not on me to go experiment with this, right? Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how they've they're going to figure out filling out the rest of this roster because right now you only got two dudes and I think the primary mistake that they made in this is the fact that they you know waited till the end of the recruiting period basically to make this decision to come out with this G League team if you had this option out there the entire time lord knows how many recruits would have flocked to the G League right or to the specific team in Los Angeles that's going to serve as a pipeline for these high school athletes Lord knows how many people would have done it, but now that people have already committed, it's going to be a little bit harder to sway them away from a decision that they've already made. So it might be a little tougher to put a roster together. Um, Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it might let Jalen Green shine, right? It might let him and Isaiah Todd flourish in the way that they need to to impress these, uh, um, these NBA teams before the draft. But who knows? And I don't know where the talent's going to come from. Ultimately, they might need more people to decommit. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they fill out the rest of this roster. But ultimately, what this boils down to, and people have been telling me, I don't know why the, you know, why guys would want to go to the G League, and because the G League kind of has this reputation of being very, it's like the minor leagues in baseball, where you have to go through this very rough period. You stay in these danky hotels. You have to travel all the time. It's not the nicest experience. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. There's no way that the NBA lets this be anything short of a luxury vacation for these players, especially if they want to continue this down the road. 
you better be sure that they're putting these guys up in four or five stars hotels, charter buses, air, per, private airplanes, the whole nine, man. The whole nine. Because this is ultimately going to be, I think, a successful venture, but it's contingent upon, you know, the athletes wanting to continue to come to the G League. Right. If Jalen Green has a terrible experience and he comes to the NBA next year and he tells the people coming behind him, man, don't do that. It was awful. I didn't. I hated it. I hated all 20 games. No one's going to do it. And then you, you you have a flop and then eventually these guys just go overseas anyway. That's not what the NBA wants. They're going to make this as enjoyable for 18 year old kids as they possibly can. They're going to have all the works. They're going to have everything that they want. The other G League teams won't because they're not having these pipelines, right? They're not having these top recruits. Um, but sure, yeah, this specific team, oh, you better believe. You better believe that these guys are getting everything that they could want and more, right? But what does this mean for the NCAA? And that's a question that a lot of people are posing. I've been seeing on Twitter, on Instagram, this is the end of the NCAA. It's over. They're about to be, you know, they're about to be irrelevant, da 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 No. No, they're not going to be irrelevant. But what this does is it fixes a problem that the NCAA had with the greed, right? Because what the NCAA was designed to do was to take high school athletes and give them a stage on which they can establish a platform. But what the NCAA turned into was a place where people who already had platforms, right? your Zion Williamson's, your RJ Barrett's, guys who didn't need to spend that year in the NCAA. If they wanted to, if they were able to, they could get drafted straight into the NBA, right? They had to go spend a year. And the NCAA was essentially forcing them to spend a year, even though they didn't need it. This provides an alternative for those guys. But for every one of those guys, there's three, four, five Obi Toppins, right? Obi Toppins, guys, or Ja, ja Morant's, guys who weren't as highly touted, who needed that stage on which to build a platform. That's what it's going to allow the NCAA to do what it was constructed to do, not allow. It's going to force the NCAA to do what it was constructed to do in the first place, which was provide a platform for kids who needed it, not kids who already had it. Because that's what the NCAA ultimately turned into is some sort of machine that took advantage of kids who already had the platform and profited off the plat, and you know it profited off of other kids' platforms. Now it's going to really do its job and give kids the opportunity to create a platform, which I think is a good thing. I'm very happy with this, uh, you know, this decision. I think it's going to be ultimately, you know, a very fun thing to watch, uh, especially when you have essentially what's the McDonald's All American game. All the top high school prospects in the coming years are going to be on that G League team, I think, um, and it's going to be the McDonald's All American. Yeah, imagine watching the McDonald's All American team go against a bunch of essentially what equates to semi pros in the G League. Or pros that are ultimately going to, you know, might ascend to the next level. That's going to be entertaining. It's going to be extremely entertaining. They get those games on ESPN. Oh, yeah, people are going to watch and they're going to be able to make a profit. It's going to be a handsome profit for both the kids involved and the G League. And I think it's going to be beneficial for all parties. And it's going to force the NCAA to do what it needed to do this entire time, which was not take advantage of these kids who did not need the NCAA in the first place. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing. That's two great things. That's one of the complaints that I got when I, because what I did with this, uh, what I did with this podcast is I ran a pilot and I sent it to some people, right? And, you know, the people were telling me they were giving me positive feedback. It's good. But one person, he was like, man, it's great, but you got to stop talking negatively about everything. I'm like, you're probably right. I can't, I can't just go on, you know, for 40 minutes and just bash everything that happens in a given week. So I'm, I'm giving you guys some positivity. You feel this positive energy coming into your ears right now? This is me giving you positive things. I'm giving you positivity in your life. Thank me later. You're welcome. I'm giving you positivity. You're welcome. <sighs> With that said, it's time to get a little negative because I'm talking about the DaBaby album. Lord have mercy. It was over once he started trying to sing, y'all. It it <laughs> Once I heard that auto-tune, I knew it was a rap. And frankly... I'm not I'm not the I'm not the, you know, music guru or anything. I mean, my friends will tell you I'm not the most well versed when it comes to, you know, hip hop or even music in general when it comes to discussing those matters, but I do think I I know enough 
right, to have some sort of intelligent dialogue when it comes to reviewing an album. So here goes. Uh, blame it on baby. Not a good album. It doesn't take a whole lot to really understand that. I don't think. Um, and the reason it wasn't a good album, it boils down to one thing, and it was that the baby stepped outside of his niche. He stepped outside of what made him good because I'll preface this by saying this. I'm not a particular fan of the baby's brand of music. I don't like the new, the new trap 808 heavy high hats, uh, you know, the, the disregard for lyricism, the Migos, the, the really the Migos created style of hip hop, whatever you want to call that. And Migos embodies it, but I'm a huge fan of Migos. And I'm a huge fan of DaBaby. I'm just not a fan of certain adaptations of that style. But the reason I like Migos and DaBaby is because they bring a certain energy to it. A certain fun, like up uplifting sort of bubbly energy to it, right? Bubbly is probably not the right word, but y'all see what I'm driving at. It's a very, you know lifting experience it's it's fun is this what it boils down to is that it's a very fun experience for the listener and the baby right he has this sort of or at least in his previous music he had this sort of like arrogant cocky brash but fun right you know aura about him it was just like care carefree you know bop is the perfect example let me look at the literally the music video for bop that's the perfect example of what I'm driving at. There was no point to it. And that's what I really like music is music that has some sort of underlying message or something to take away. But sometimes you just want to have fun and bop. It was nothing. There's nothing, you know, substantial about it. There's no underlying thing that the reader is supposed to take away and put into their life. It's just meant to be fun. And that is perfectly 100% fine. And that's why I loved the baby's former stuff is because it was just fun to listen to and vibe to. But this stuff, he he tried something else and it just didn't work. And I'm all for artists exploring their artistry and seeing what they can do and what they're capable of. I just hope he doesn't continue to repeat this because it just does not work when he tries to do the whole, you know, uh, feeling sort of I don't even know how to describe it, just more down i don't even know how to really describe it because it's a certain feeling that you get from the music right it's not really you know tangibly you can put a pin on what exactly it is but you know the tempo and you know the pace and you know you know what the artist is trying to convey with the music right and he's trying to convey something completely different something we're not used to seeing from the baby in this album which is why i personally didn't like it i got used to his brand of music right being fun energetic confident borderline arrogant brash and fun right i said fun twice because it was really fun um but this is just something else and it's not like the whole album is garbage there's certain songs in there that are fine i like the first song of the album can't stop i i very, I very much like uh can't stop i like pick up with quavo um but the deeper i got into the album it's really the middle i like the beginning and i like the end the middle of the album I'm just not a fan because that's when he started getting into the more sentimental and deep and he tried to start singing and it just does not work for what the baby does. And that's fine. Not every artist is meant to cross into certain areas. And this is not what the baby is good at. If he were to have stick what he's good at to stick to what he's good at, it would have been a fine album. But that's just not what he did. He wanted to explore something else. It didn't work. I just hope for his sake. Right that he doesn't continue down that path and trying to, you know, do the sorts of things that we're just not expecting from him because that's just not what he does. Stay in your niche, dog. Stay in your niche. It's it's good for you, right? Migos. I think me and Migos ultimately fell off and that's what I think is the downfall or the sort of pitfall with that brand of music is that there's no way to consistently replicate it. At some point you're going to fall off because it's so <sighs> It's so reliant upon how the audience receives it. The music can't really stand for itself. The audience is either going to like it or it's not. And, the, you know, how much time and effort you put into the song doesn't really, you know, it has no uh, dictation, I guess is the right word, on what the outcome is for the audience. It's really more of a feel thing. But I, I just, you know, that's just not what he does, man. It's not what he does. And it just, it didn't hit. It didn't hit the baby. Uh 
And for his sake, I, I know that he won't be able to maintain that for a very long time and that maybe that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to branch out into something else in, in the hopes of being able to sustain his success for a longer time. But sometimes what you have to recognize is that you fit a particular niche. And if you stay in that niche, you can milk as much as you possibly can out of that you know brand of music and then get out. But if you try to do too much, you'll fall out a lot more quickly than you would have in the first place. Right. I'm trying to think of an example. Lil Nas X is kind of an example or even perfect example. Designer. Right. Bubbly, fun, energetic music. Panda. Right. There was everybody was having fun with it. There's nothing, you know, to take away from the song, but it's just a fun song. Right. What's the next thing comes out with? Timmy, Timmy, Timmy Turner. He be wishing for a burner to kill everybody walking. And we're all just sitting there like, what? This is not what we expect from you, designer. This is not what we come to, you know, this is not what we expect from you. It doesn't work. And next thing you know, designers are relevant. I don't want baby, And I think he's already, because designer really had one hit song. Timmy, Timmy Turner, that song only got big because of how big uh panda was <laughs> and like people only listened to it because they saw designer and they said oh this is the next song so they said something or they listened to it but timmy T- that was not a good song at all and i think the baby's already surpassed designer because he's put out m- a lot of you know music that people like but i just don't want to see his career trajectory go on that sort of path because you know, if you start trying to branch out into things that you're not good at or that not are not suited for what you bring to the table, then it's going to be a very quick and hard fall to disaster. And I don't want to see that from the baby because I genuinely like his music. I genuinely like his music. And people who know me, they know I don't tend to like that sort of music a whole lot. But when it comes to the baby and it comes to Migos and it comes to these people who bring this upbeat energy, I love it because it's just like that that fits my aura very well. I'm a type of you know person that tries to stay upbeat. It's very upbeat music. It meshes very well. The baby, don't stay. Essentially what I'm saying is stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, dog. Do what you do best because you're very, very talented when it comes to music like uh, Bop. When it comes to music like, gosh, I can't even remember right now because I'm so <laughs> caught up in how bad this album was. But when it comes to music, you know, the the the, the standard, the baby music. <sighs> gosh, Reagan. Think of the music, man. Shook, right? Go on, baby. Celebrate. Like, th- these are the songs that we I, I like from the baby. Not... Not the sentimental stuff, man. That's not you. That's not what you do. That's it. Let 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 Drake handle that. Let Drake get us in our feelings. You just keep. You just uplift us when we're down. Exactly, man. That's 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 what we need from you, to baby. That's that's all we need. Let's jump into this Q and A, y'all. The segment where you guys ask me questions and I answer all of them. All of the questions. I want you guys to know that whatever questions I get in a given week, I will answer all of them and I will plan the show accordingly to where I can answer all of your guys' questions within reason. I cannot stress that enough, guys. Within reason, okay? Some of y'all out there getting funny with the questions. Keep it PG. This is a PG show, okay? I know I said damn sometimes. I said dumbass. You know, keep it PG, okay? I'm not going to answer everything, okay? You know, if you want to ask me stuff like that, that's a different podcast. All right. But we have three really good questions this week. Thank you guys for participating. First one coming from Jasmine Blevins, who wants to know what effects will the newest WNBA draft picks have on the league? And I'd be remiss, right? Oh, I actually want to preface by saying this. I used to be one of those people that thought women's basketball was irrelevant. And that was wrong. That was extremely wrong because I went to a camp uh, two years ago. And that camp, right, we had the opportunity to go to a Sparks game, and I still have the shirt that I caught from that game, but I got to see Candace Parker play. And Candace Parker single-handedly changed my mind about women's basketball. She single-handedly, you know, imploded everything that I thought I knew women's basketball was and gave me a new, uh, gave me a new outlook on it, right? 
I saw her do everything, man. Everything crossovers, fadeaways, and she was so fundamentally sound. It was it was honestly amazing to watch. And the greatest thing, I'll never forget this. She, you know, pump fakes the ball like a pass over a defender's head. The defender turns all the way 180 degrees around, thinking that Candace Parker passed the ball. Nope, Candace Parker's driving by her right now. It was hilarious, right? That that was that was the best thing I've seen on a basketball court, you know, in person. One of the best things I've ever seen. Right. So I, I just want to say that if you guys aren't paying attention to women's basketball, please hop on it. Please hop on it because there's a lot of merit there. You're not going to see, right, the 360 dunks and you're not going to see, you know, the incredible feats of athleticism that you see on an NBA floor. But you're going to if you enjoy good basketball, right, if you're really a basketball fan and you enjoy watching the the the, the functions of the game play out. Women's basketball is every bit as entertaining to watch from that standpoint as NBA basketball. And I will hold to that. Um, And if you guys weren't paying attention about WNBA basketball before, this girl right here, homegirl, Sabrina Ionescu, that got drafted last night to New York. She's going to put y'all on, man. She's going to put y'all on. And I'm so, 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 so glad that she went to New York because if it wasn't either New York or Los Angeles, I'm not sure that she would get the platform that she needs to really elevate WNBA to the next level. Right. But now that she's in New York, she's going to be one of the biggest media markets in the country. People are going to be following her. People are going to be paying attention to her. She's going to be able to do. I, I honestly think. Right. We think about what put uh, the NBA on. Right. Because the NBA wasn't always as popular. As it is now. Right. We. uh we think about Magic Johnson was really the first superstar that turned the NBA into this, you know, global franchise that everyone paid attention to. I see that in Sabrina Ionescu, 100%. And I'm not the only one. So the fact that she's in New York, I think is the most important thing that happened in the draft last night. But in terms of the actual teams and, you know, projections for next year, I really, really like what the Dallas Wings did, right? Because they've been lining up for this draft apparently for, for two years. And they've collected this this collection of first round picks. So they had the number two pick, they had the number five pick, and they had the number seven pick, in addition to having the 21 pick. But you know, they had three top ten draft picks. And that's a lot. Even even though this is a 12-team league, three top ten draft picks, you're getting a pretty decent pool of talent there. So they got uh Satu Sabali, who's also, I think this is the first time in WNBA history that you had two people from the same school but go back to back one and two. Um, but she's no, uh, granted, she's the number two pick, right? But think about uh, Ian Eskew as LeBron James. Like, that's the given number one pick. No one is going to dispute that. Sobley's no scrub. Like, she can hoop. She can hoop. And granted, she had to play second fiddle to Ian Eskew, but don't get it twisted. That girl can hoop. And then they with the number five, they went uh, Bella Allery. And she's a she's a stretch big. She can, uh, she can shoot the ball a little bit. And then finally, they went Tayasha Harris- and that gives them a point guard, uh, a wing, and a big, right? So now they have this collection of youth down there in Dallas, and they can surge forward with that going forward. I think Dallas projects to be one of the better teams in this league um, in the coming years. Given time, obviously, the team is going to have to develop, and you know, not only individually, but they're going to have to develop a level of chemistry in, learns, in terms of learning how to play with each other. Um, I believe, actually, uh, Tayasha, she... Uh, won a national championship with two players that are already on Dallas. But as a collective, the team's going to have to develop some chemistry. Um, But give it two, three years, this team's going to be legit, man. They're going to be pushing for titles very soon. Um, So definitely stay on the lookout for the WNBA. The next question comes from Mr. Eddie's son. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a question from Eddie every week. That's my roommate. That's my very good friend. Um, But he asks, okay, this is interesting. What is my favorite movie of all time? This is a tough one. This is a very, very, very tough one because I'm not a movie buff, but I've seen a lot of movies. So what quantifies a good movie to me could be how funny it is. It could be how emotion emotionally like uh, tugging it is. It could be how interesting and riveting the plot is like immediately when I think of some of the best movies I've seen, some of the movies that come to mind, uh, you got Inception's very good. Glory starring Denzel Washington. If you're if you're black and you haven't seen Glory, go actually really if you're anyone and you haven't seen seen Glory, go watch Glory. Uh it follows the Massachusetts 54th uh an all black uh army 
uh, I don't even know what you call it, but it's a group of soldiers in the Civil War that's all black. Some of them former slaves, some of them not, but follows their relationships. It's very inter- interesting. Um, my favorite movie, though, I might have to say Forrest Gump, and that's kind of a dark horse. I'm not sure how many people would say Forrest Gump, but I just remember being so intrigued and honestly flabbergasted by the, the way that they were able to incorporate the story of Forrest Gump with so many historically significant events, right? This dude had Elvis in his house. This dude, you know, he he played for Bear Bryant in Alabama. This dude, you know, he went and fought in the Vietnam War. This, like, you know what I mean? Is founder of Bubba Gump Shrimp. And it all made sense. It all managed to, you know, they made a cohesive storyline. I know that how much time that must have taken to make it all make sense because you can throw things together willy-nilly and throw it in all these historical allusions willy-nilly. But to make it make sense the way they did, that was masterful. And then the cinematography, they actually put him into some of these places. Um, and then just the storyline of, right, this this dude, this very simple-minded person, they never, they kind of hinted at the fact that he had some sort of mental disorder going on with him, but they never explicitly described what that was. But this very simple-minded individual constantly finds himself in these you know, overblown, complicated situations. But, you know, because he's so simple minded and because he's so, you know, very cut and dry, black and white, uh, it, it's it guides him in the right direction. And I think ultimately the the message that the movie's trying to convey is that, hey, this life stuff, it can get complicated, but if you have a very simple set of values, you will end up in the right spot. And that might be a little idealistic, but I ultimately I think it's a very feel good movie. You take the, it. It's a very complicated movie at the same time because you have all these sub characters. Right. Forrest Gump is the main character, but you have the uh, Lieutenant Dan, you have Jenny and all these very interesting uh, supporting cast members that, you know, make the movie even more full. So I, you know, in terms of there's so many elements that make Forrest Gump a great movie to me. That's just a couple of them. But I very, very much like Forrest Gump as a movie. That's probably my favorite right now. But I can't tell you that'll be my favorite next week, even tomorrow. That's just the first thing that comes to my head. And finally, we have Jared Weinstein asking me with the NFL draft coming up next week. He has a quarterback question to attack of Iloa or. Or actually, I think it's Tua Tonga Vailoa. I have to start saying that right. It's Tua Tonga Vailoa or Joe Burrow and why. This is very, very tough, y'all, because I have seen Tua play very good for longer than I have seen Joe Burrow play very good. However, in the time that I've seen Joe Burrow, at his best, he's played better than Tua ever has. However, the question with Joe Burrow is why all of a sudden do you blow up in the way that you did? Where has this been throughout your entire career? The question with Tua, are you going to be healthy enough? There's a lot of things going on, and I think both of them are going to ultimately be very good quarterbacks. But if you're Cincinnati, you well, Cincinnati's ultimately made its decision already. They're going Burrow. There's no question about that. And you're hearing a lot of things about Tua might be falling off draft, falling down draft boards. He might even be falling off him completely because people are unsure about his injury. And granted, he'd put out things that was like, yeah, I'm healthy. I can go right now if I need to. He's put out that video with his pro day. Um, but there's those question marks are still there because teams aren't able to, you know, physically examine them themselves. Um, but personally, man, between Joe Burrow and Tua. I got to go Joe Burrow and I love to as a prospect, but the health concerns, they, they, they definitely leave a cloud of darkness over him as a prospect, not to mention the fact that I've seen Joe Burrow play better. Um, but there is one hangup that I have with Joe Burrow and I talked about it on my show with USC, not my show, but sports scene with USC this week. And my hangup with Joe Burrow is that there are quarterbacks who can make the talent around them better, right? You think about Tom Brady and the receiving talent that he's had over the course of his career. You think about Cam Newton and the receiving talent that he had on when he went on his MVP Super Bowl run, right? They get these guys who may not might not be that good, but they make them look good because they're so talented. 
Carson Wentz last year in his playoff. You know, ultimately he got injured in the playoffs, but that back half of the season where everyone was basically injured, he ascended guys like Greg Gregory, uh, Greg Ward, and uh, Boston Scott. You have guys like that, and then you have guys who are able to maximize on the vast talent that they have around them. I think about a guy like Peyton Manning. When you give Peyton Manning a lot of talent, he's going to make the absolute most out of that talent. And there's a spot for both guys. I need guys. There, there's a spot for guys who ascend the talent that they have, and then there's a spot for guys who you know uh, get to make the most out of the potential that they have. But I think ultimately the more valuable guy is the guy who can make the talent that they have even better. I don't think Joe Burrow is one of those guys. I think Joe Burrow is a guy who can you know go to LSU, have a guy like Justin Jefferson, have a guy like Jamar Chase, have a guy like Thaddeus Moss, you know, have all these, uh, have a guy like uh, the running back, uh, I forget his name right now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, have these guys around him, right? Give him this boatload of talent, and he will maximize the the max. He, he will bring that talent to its potential. But if you put Joe Burrow around guys that are not that good, I'm not sure if Joe Burrow makes him look good. However, I do still think he's the number one prospect in this class. I do think he's a he's not a missed quarterback. I just worry about him going to Cincinnati because they do have talent. They have AJ Green. You have Joe Mixon. You have John Ross. You have Taj uh, Taj something. I forget his last name. But you have all this talent around him. But they are always injured. They are always, 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 always injured. Especially John Ross and AJ Green. I just worry that if those guys you know, can or repeat their history and stay as injured as they have been, Joe Burrow might struggle. Um, but I, I again, I think Tua would struggle in the same situation because I, I don't think Tua is a guy who elevates his talent either. I think he maximizes the talent around him as well. I think they're built in the same mold. I just think Joe Burrow is a little bit better at it than Tua. Plus, Tua has the, the injury concern. So ultimately, to answer your question, Jared, I would have to say I, you know, have Joe Burrow ranked ahead of Tua. Um, but it's not by much. It's not by much by any means. Uh, that is the final question for today. So I think that'll end it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin show, the Reagan Griffin Jr. show, the inaugural episode, man, the inaugural episode. I want to keep hitting you guys with this fire, fire content. I'm sitting in my house, man. We're quarantined. There's not much for me to do. I might as well, you know, make use of this time, put my voice out there best as I can. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Please give me any feedback that you might have. I want to make this a very give and take experience between me as the producer and you guys as the consumer. Come hit me with any questions that you might have. I'm like I said, I'm answering all of them within reason. I appreciate you guys so, so much for tuning in. It means a whole lot to me, whether you're a friend, whether I don't know you, whether you know me through somebody else, whatever it is, I appreciate you guys for tuning in very very, very much. The fact that you want to listen to me talk for 50 minutes says a lot. Appreciate that very much. But with that said, that'll end it for this episode. I will see you guys next week.